We declare the things that he declares. We stand for what he stands for. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know about you, but I could just stand in the presence of God all day. Oh, I think I will. <laughs> hallelujah. 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 You know, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. So if you just learn to operate from your spirit on a regular basis, you'll be in his presence all the time. There's not always that soulish overflow. But there's always that presence of the Lord on the inside of us. Amen. And we can talk out from our spirit, operate out from our spirit. You don't have to talk King James language. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, praise God. God has a language. And it does not agree with the world. Amen. How many of you are ready to hear the word today? Let's open up to Psalm 65. We're going to start, just start over there. I want to remind you, this is the last Sunday of the month, so we have service tonight at 6 o'clock. Hope you can make it. Why don't you just make a decision now? Make a decision to be here. Amen. And then when all the nonsense comes up to try to stop you, you can tell them to stick it in his ear. You've already made your decision. <laughs> Hallelujah. That certainly was not King James language. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I will love you. We adore you. We bless you, Holy One. You are the glorious King, the mighty God, our loving Father. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do, all that you've done and all that you've prepared for us. Oh, Father, thank you that your will is good, perfect, and acceptable. Thank you, Lord, that it's not only just good in your sight, but it is good in my sight also. Father, we thank you that as we come to hear your word today, that your Holy Spirit will teach us and impart revelation into our heart. That it will become living in us, not just something we hear, but it's something we hear and do. Yes. Something we work on, something that we get working into our life. That we meditate, ponder it, get it into our heart, get it in our mouth, get it in our decisions, and get it in our life. Oh, Father, I thank you yes. that your life is truly an abundant life. The more than enough life that we can continue to grow and increase and partake of your divine nature, of all of your promises that's based on your love for us in Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Psalm 65, verses 9 through 11, very familiar verse if you've been here any time at all. Psalm 65, verse 9 through 11, you visit the earth and you cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly and settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. 
You have crowned the year with your bounty, and your paths drip with fatness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, when God shows up, overflow comes with him. Isn't that right? He says, you greatly enrich it, full of water. Notice the words that, that's connected with God. Overflow, greatly enriched, full of water. Prepare the grain, prepare the earth. You water it, you settle it, you soften it, you bless its growth. And your paths drip with fatness. His path drips with abundance. His path drips with overflow. His path drips with fulfillment. That's why we want to get on his path. And we want to walk in his ways. Because his ways is the ways of abundance. And when we walk in his ways, abundance just falls on us. Just because we would be on his path. Amen? Well, you know, in Psalm 37, it says that the uh, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Isn't that right? They are ordered. Okay, so therefore... If my steps are ordered, and if those steps are the path of God, then obedience is what's necessary in my life. It is not enough to come to church and sit and hear and think we did some religious duty. We must do the things that we hear. It's no different than going to a restaurant that serves great food, and they bring the great food to your table, and you look at it, and you smell it, and you enjoy what it looks like and the presentation of it all, but you never eat it. So therefore, you walk out just as hungry as when you came in. And I don't know about you, but if I haven't eaten, I start getting tired. I start getting weary. But if I sit down and have something to eat, it fuels me right back up again, yeah. fuels up my body, right? Yeah. So in the same way, if we're not eating of the word of God and then going in the strength of that, then pretty soon we'll get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And you won't notice it at first because you'll get weaker spiritually, but you won't notice that. But then all of a sudden you'll start getting weaker soulishly and you might notice that but then you'll start getting weaker physically and more and more and more life starts going down because we are not eating and doing and walking in that which gives us the strength of life are you with me so we want to be on that path so that we can walk in his abundance, his fatness. When you step in his steps, his steps are steps of fatness. His steps are steps of abundance. His steps are steps of overflow. Amen. But when he comes, overflow comes with him. So that means that when I'm walking on his path, not only am I walking in that abundance and that fullness and the fatness, but it's dripping off of him onto me. Because he is the overflow. He is the overflow. He is the overflow. Glory to God. Amen. Now, some people would find that hard to believe. You know, how could that be? Well, go over to John chapter 11. And let's look at some things. John chapter 11. This is when Jesus went to uh, the tomb of Lazarus. And things were not looking very cheery at the tomb of Lazarus. 
circumstances was looking pretty uh, bleak. Nobody was really happy about anything. They were glad to see Jesus, but as far as they were concerned, he was just too late. Isn't that right? And in John chapter 11, verse 40, Jesus makes a statement here. And he says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I told you, did I not say to you, I told you that if you believe, you would see the glory or you'd see the manifestation. Well, what about the fatness and the overflow? If you believe it, I told you, if you believe it, you will see the abundance. You will see the overflow. You will see the manifestations of the glory of the word of God. If you believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we might say, yes, I know. I know that that's what it says. But you know, you can't just sit around waiting for it. I'm waiting for it to happen. Well, you can't sit around and wait for it to happen. You got to start believing it. You know, before you got saved, before you got saved, you had to believe that Jesus had saved you and that you could receive him as your Lord and Savior because he had already saved you. Isn't that right? Before you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you had to believe that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so you could be filled. Before you ever opened your mouth and spoke in tongues, you had to believe that the Spirit of God was in you and gave you the ability to speak in tongues. You had to believe. When your body was sick, you had to believe that Jesus healed you before you even got healed. Believing is how we stepped into those things. When you believe that you have received it, if I believe I have received it, then I shall have it. If I believe I have, so receiving it comes before having it. Don't get those two things mixed up. I believe I received it, therefore I will have it. But you have to do what? Believe, I told you, I told you that if you believed, you would see. So there's the promise in Psalm 65 about overflow, about abundance, about fulfillment, about fullness, about more than enough. But if we believe then we'll see the glory of it. If you believe it, you will see it. Did I not say to you, I told you, or see here now, I told you, if you believe, you will see it. Isn't that right? So we could say that right there. Jesus said, did I not tell you? Didn't I tell you? Hey, haven't I told you that if you believe it, You'd see it. Hasn't he told you that if you believe it, you'll see it? Then what's the issue? Is it the promise? Is it God's ability? What's the issue? Our believing it. Well, I believe it. Well, then why isn't it happening? I mean, sometimes you got to face some stuff. Why isn't it happening if you just said you believe it? Oh, you want it. You like it, and you mentally agree with it. But do you believe it? 
is do you believe it in the face of contrary circumstances? Do you believe it when everything's screaming at you, it's not going to work? Do you believe it when the voices of the world are totally against you? Do you believe it when your best friend don't even like what you're thinking? When do you stop believing it? When do you stop saying it? When do you stop thinking it? When do you stop making decisions according to that which you have said you believe? Have you ever believed God for something? And then when it happened, you were like surprised. Oh, oh, look at that. And there's the Holy Spirit talking to you and says, see there? I told you. I told you if you believed it. He said, bring the tithe into the storehouse that there be food in my house and prove me now, prove me now, prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing till there's not room enough to receive it, and then I will rebuke the devourer for your sake that he'll not destroy the fruits of your ground and the vine in the field will not cast its grace before its time. And then when it happens, you go, oh, wow, look at that. And the Holy Spirit says, see there, I told you. See there, I told you. He's not surprised. You're the only one that's surprised. <laughs> I told you if you'd believe, you'd see the glorious manifestations. I told you that. So back up to here in verses 1 through 4, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness is not to end in death but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So just as a very quick background, just to make sure we kill your religious calf. Jesus did not wait there for Lazarus to die so that God could get glory, because that's the way most people want to tell you. Actually, by the time the messengers got to Jesus and told him that Lazarus was sick, he had already died. They didn't know it because they're not texting. Yeah. We're not in the world of instant communication. They didn't email them. They didn't even have carrier pigeons. They walked. Yeah. And by the time they walked from Bethany to where Jesus was, he already died. And then he waited several days, and then he went to Bethany. And by the time he got to Bethany, the sister said, he's been dead four days, which was before the time the messengers even got to Jesus. So don't try to say, this is for the glory of God, and God lets bad things happen so they can get, that God can get glory. That's a bunch of hooey. That's a bunch of religious nonsense. That's a bunch of lies from the devil that wants you, gets you to accept bad things and go, well, this is from God, and he has a good reason for it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. No, God does not do evil because he actually has good in mind. See, that's what people say, well, God's mysterious. And the only thing that's mysterious is your goofball brain. The only thing that's mysterious. 
He said here, this sickness is not to end in death. Now, he knew Lazarus has already died. How do you know that? Holy Spirit, he does know all things, you know. He said the sickness is not the end, but Lazarus has already died, but that's not going to be the end. That's what he's saying. This is not the end. The sickness, lack, all the effects of sin, the curse is not to end in death. The attack on Lazarus was going to be used. The devil attacked Lazarus, but God's going to use it, and he's going to get glory out of it. Amen. So again, Lazarus was dead when Jesus already got the news, and Jesus is saying that it is time for manifestation. It's not going to end in death, but there's going to be a manifestation of the glory of God. Hallelujah. These are the days we live in, the days of abundant living, abundant giving, abounding in grace, the unveiling of his unlimited riches of glory and grace in our days. So we ought to just rejoice. I mean, you ought to just rejoice. You're worried about some dumb hurricane. You're worried about some damage on stuff. Hey, you're alive. You're breathing. You're well. You got to live another day to complain. Glory to God. <laughs> you know, no, I would listen to you, but I don't have internet <laughs> yet. So, you know, you might as well just rejoice. The days we live in is not what that world wants to tell you. The days you live in is what the word of God declares unto you. Amen. And that's why Paul says rejoice always. What have you got not to rejoice about? He said that in prison. Rejoice always. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. The days of economic inflation. Oh, is that where we live? Are we living in days of economic inflation in the world? Well, it's time for manifestations. Stop whining, stop complaining, stop crying, and stop digging in with all of your criticisms about what's going on in a dead world where people are headed to hell. What do you expect from them? Thank you. See, it's time. I told you. See, I told you if you'd believe you won't have to put up with the economic inflation. You don't have to put up with the disaster. I told you, if you believe, you'll see the manifestations of glory. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God's in the business of manifesting his glory. Amen. This sickness he's talking about here, this lack, thank you, Jesus, is only going to contribute. The devil brought sickness. He's brought destruction. He's brought death. But it's only going to contribute and lead to God's glory being manifested. Therefore, our expectation is always for the glory of God and expectations is not set on circumstances. Well, I would have better expectation if the circumstance. I would have better expectation if the situation. I would have ex better expectation if they would just. Your expectation's in the wrong place. Our expectation needs to be for the glory of God. Amen. You know that what the enemy brings for destruction, God just turns it around for good. If you're walking with the Lord, if you're walking on his steps, the place that drips fatness, he will reweave re the devil's plan and work it out for your good. 
Amen. Amen. Do you believe? I told you if you believe it. If you believe it, you will see it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who does the manifestation? Who does the believing? Who's got the easy part? Amen. Yes, you do. We have the easy part. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says, "For Thank you. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. The anxious longing or the earnest expectation. See, this anxious longing and earnest expectation is waiting eagerly and earnestly. See, if we have an earnest expectation, which is true hope, it will bring manifestation. Oh, but you know what the world says, right? Don't get your hopes up too high. That's just like the devil. Talking just like the devil. Just wants to rob you of what God wants to do in your life. God wants to do something in your life, but the devil says, oh, no, 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 don't get your hopes up too high because they'll come crashing down. <laughs> the only one that crashed and burned was that bonehead. Yeah. He crashed and burned with a, th with a third of the angels that fell into his deception. Right? Yes. No, faith is an earnest expectation. The, uh, Abraham, it says he hoped on in faith, believing that even though his circumstances said one thing, God said something else, and he was going with what God said and not with what his circumstances was telling him. He had an earnest expectation because that's what faith is. How many of you ever get tired of hearing that Jesus is returning? I mean, I've been hearing it now for 41 years. But do you continue with earnest, expecta earnest expectations? Because what happens if you don't have expectation? You get tired of hearing it. You get tired of hearing it. Pretty soon you don't believe it. You get tired of hearing it. Oh, I don't want to hear that. I'll believe it when it happens, Thomas. No hearing. So you're tired, so you're not going to hear anymore. So if you don't hear, you don't have faith. And then if you don't have faith, you won't have any hope. You'll actually be in the world. You'll be without hope in the world. Isn't that right? And therefore, you will not prepare for eternity because you don't believe. The return of Jesus is just on some back burner someplace. And you're not preparing for when he comes as a thief in the night. He's not going to send you a text. I'm on the way. ETA, five minutes. You know, he's, he's not doing that. You got to be ready. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Where are we at? 1920 through 22. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. 
the pains of childbirth. That is a travailing. It's a travailing. An earnest expectation will bring a travailing inside of us. Now listen very carefully to this. Just because you have a travailing on the inside of you doesn't mean you have a burden. It doesn't mean, oh, God wants me to avoid catastrophe. It's just an earnest expectation that wants to come forth. And it has to travail out from you. Are you with me? Because a lot of times when all of a sudden something's going on, oh, something's happening. Oh, God wants me to pray. Oh, it's probably somebody needs help. Oh, well, and our mind, you know, that's your mind. Your mind is such a wasteful thing when we don't use it the right way. What's the first thing you ought to do? Ask God, what is this? What if he doesn't answer me? Then stop making stuff up. Just pray. Amen. Someone that does not want to have an earnest expectation will not stick their neck out. The world says it. Don't get your hopes up so high. What does that mean? Don't stick your neck out there. So instead of sticking your neck out, you become a turtle. And you stick your head inside the shell. Not much going on inside that shell. Huh? But yet, because I stick my head in that shell, what do I feel? Protected. That's what you feel. But you know what? You can't see that dump truck coming down the road. It's going to roll you over. You're going to be turtle soup. So you don't want to stick your neck out. So you pull your neck back like a turtle, get inside the shell, and you don't get any place. The wind blows and you roll a little bit, rock a little bit, but you're not getting no place unless somebody picks you up and takes you captive and carries you off. And you need to be like a giraffe and stick your neck out there. It's called having skin in the game. Don't be afraid to put your neck on the line. Why? Because the Holy Spirit says, see, I told you. If you'd believe, you would see. You're not seeing much inside that shell. Inside that shell, it's a shell of fear, a shell of doubt, a shell of unbelief. That's where that neck goes inside of that shell. And it feels protected in its doubt and fear and unbelief because it's not out there. Why is it that people don't want to get out there? Because they trust themselves and don't trust God. Well, when I feel like everything's good, I will. <laughs> you trust it in yourself, grasshopper. You're not trusting in God. God says, and what will you do? Stick your neck out. For some reason or other, many have lost that earnest expectation. And many have lost an expectation because they've been hurt, hurt over some things. But yet we've been, never been hurt by God. Now, we may have been hurt by things we thought was God, called presumption, assumption. Vanity of our mind comes up with all stuff. And we think that that's God, and therefore we get hurt when we don't see 
what we thought should happen. We may have been hurt by things that we tried to make it to be God. Like I'm walking through the mall and I see something in the window and it's like, oh, I'm going to have that. I'm going to believe God to pay for that. Well, he never told you he was going to pay for it. You said he's going to pay for it. So therefore, when you wind up with a bill and he didn't pay for it, you get hurt. But you were just trying to make something to be God. Because we seem to tag onto anything. I'm going to believe God for it. But based on what? Based on what that you're believing God for that? What is the word in that spiritual treasure of yours that the Lord is directing you in to believe him with? Or did that Rolodex in your mind just come up and pull out a verse and go, oh, that's what I'm believing God for. Yes, because I really want that. Well, we tried to make it look like God, but it wasn't God. So therefore, it didn't get taken care of. So we get hurt. But yet, we've been, never been hurt by God. We get hurt sometimes because we think somebody should do something. Because after all, I need. So therefore, somebody, I'm expecting that somebody to do something. And they just have never done nothing. You slacker, you do good for nothing. Never helped me one bit. I don't know who that was. <laughs> but they must be watching. Maybe when live stream gets going, they'll be watching. I don't know. But those kinds of things, and so-and-so didn't respond the way we thought they should have responded, so we get hurt. But yet God's never hurt us. Huh? And we need to come back out of the shell. You need to get your head out of the shell and get your neck stretched out there again, just as far as you can stretch it. When you're tucked your head inside of your shell, <laughs> God has very limited movement. <laughs> you know, how much can he move inside that shell? Not much to deal with inside of a shell. Huh? But yet, he's trying to get you to stick your neck out there in faith. Because he wants to tell, just like he told you. See there? I told you. I told you if you believed, you would see. Back over to John 11. 41 through 44. Don't forget service tonight, 6 o'clock. You didn't change your decision from earlier, did you? Okay. John 11, 41 through 44. So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth and Jesus said to them unbind him and let him go so before the stone was ever rolled away before Lazarus even came out of the tomb Jesus had already prayed and the father had already heard him so as far as Jesus and the father was concerned Lazarus is already raised they have to wait to see it as far as they're concerned it's done 
Isn't that right? All they had to do was roll the stone away. That's all they had to do. Jesus had already been heard, and that's what you need to know, is that when you pray, when you're praying according to the will of God, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you in what you have asked that is according to his will, you know you have the request that you have asked from him. And that is to produce confidence in our prayer. The will of God is the word of God. When I'm praying his word, he hears me. He tells me to bring his word back to him. And it will not return void. Amen? He had already heard him. So all they had to do was roll away the stone. Jesus was heard, you're heard too. Well, Daniel prayed, and he waited 21 days for the answer to come. And the angel said to him, from the first day that you were heard, the first day you set your heart, you were heard in heaven, and the answer was sent. The first day. When you pray, you're heard. There is an enemy force that wants to stop your answer from getting to you. And that's where your authority comes in. And that's where the need is to continue to persevere in faith and believe God. God is not withholding from you. It is the devil that wants to stop your answer from getting to you. God is not the withholder. He is not the afflictor. The devil is the afflictor and he is the withholder. If you get those things straight in your thinking, you will not have an issue with God. You'll stop those questions that the enemy and your flesh wants to keep running through your head. Well, I don't know why God isn't doing. I don't know why God isn't. I don't know why God. It's not God. It answer has been sent from heaven. And the enemy is standing and withstanding it. And you need to continue to persevere and stand in faith. And take authority. Isn't that right? Amen. So Jesus said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Why? Why did he say it with a loud voice? So people could hear him. It wasn't because Lazarus was so far away. I mean, my goodness, Lazarus, you know, he, he's in paradise. We need to, we need, you know, we need to yell. No, there's no time and space in the spirit. You don't, you don't need to yell. <laughs> Yes, you can. You can want to yell. That's fine if you want to yell, but you don't need to yell. And the only reason he said it with a loud voice was so that the people could hear him. Amen. Amen. So we need to know, just like Jesus, that we are heard by the Father. Yes. You need to know that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. As far as the spirit realm is concerned, it's already done. It's already done because that's where the blessing resides in the spirit. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It's getting them from the spirit realm into the natural realm. That's your job. That's what faith is about. Amen. Glory to God. So as far as things in the spirit realm, it's already accomplished. It's already done. All you have to do is roll away the stone of doubt. So all you have to do is roll away the stone of doubt. Lazarus would not have come forth if the stone was there. Why not? Well, he didn't have a glorified body. He couldn't walk through the stone. 
The stone had to be rolled away for him to come out. Well, why didn't Jesus just speak to the stone to roll away? Because that was your job. It wasn't his job. It was your job. God's not going to do your job. You know, when, uh, when Peter was uh, set free from prison, the angel woke him up. The chains fell off of him. He walked him out of the prison, walked past all the guards, and walked him out into the street, and then he left. In other words, okay, Peter, I've done for you what you can't do. The rest is you're on your own. Now it's up to you. Do what you need to do. God's not going to do for you what you can do for yourself. He will do for you what you can't do. And that's what makes what you can do work. Amen. So all you have to do is roll away the stone of doubt and then call forth the promise. Because he said, roll away the stone, and then he called for Lazarus to come out. Healing, come forth. Finances, come forth. Peace, come forth. Roll away the stone of doubt, and the promises will come forth. Amen. And the man who died came forth, bound, hand and foot with wrappings. He came out, bound. His face was also wrapped with a cloth. And what did Jesus say? Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him and let him go. He was still bound, so Lazarus, all wrapped up, he's not coming out dancing a jig. He is all wrapped up. He has limited movement. Isn't that right? So the promise came forth, but it was limited. The movement of it was limited because he was still tied up. What was he tied up with? He was wrapped with a cloth. His face was wrapped with a cloth. His, 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 he was bound hand and foot with wrappings. What was the wrappings a symbol of? Okay, did he wear the wrappings to go to a Halloween party? Did he wear the wrappings because it was a masquerade party? Why did he have those wrappings on him? So what is the wrappings a symbol of? Death. He came out still wrapped in death. So here we see the promises are inside the stone, are inside, and the stone of doubt gets rolled away. The promises come out, but has limited movement because of the grave clothes that still surrounds the promise. Well, why would God bring promise with grave clothes? Because of you. There's a revelation. It's not that God's promises has death in it. It's you. It's me. We want the promises of a God to be totally free. We don't want them bound up with grave clothes covering our promises. So go to Luke 15. You say, well, that didn't really answer. That's all right. We're not done. You know, we, we, we set up cases like attorneys, line upon line. We make the case. Luke chapter 15, talking about the prodigal son. You know that story. We don't have to go into that. But in verse 17 of Luke chapter 15, it says, this is the prodigal son. He says, when he came to his senses, oh, thank God for senses. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. So 
We know the boy left the house. He had his inheritance. But now he winds up eating with the pigs. And he says here that his servants, the servants of his father, has more than enough. Great, numerous, abundance, a sufficiency, and an overflow. And he's talking about who? The servant. He's talking about the servant that has more than enough. And he says, here I am. I'm a son. I'm a child of my father, and I don't have enough. I'm dying from hunger. He has a scarcity of harvest that has not enough. He's in famine, and he's living in the dry places. You might say, well, yeah, well, that's true. I mean, he had enough, but he just kind of wasted it. Well, what have you wasted? I mean, we could take a spreadsheet, you know, and figure out what we've wasted as far as finances go. How about time? How much time have we wasted? Talents, all kinds of things in our life before we got saved and after we got saved. Why do we waste so much? Because we don't have the efficiency of God working in us. Although that is part of the Holy Spirit. When you got filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, more than just dunamis power. Bless God, I'll tell you what, I'm going to stand against that devil. Well, you know, maybe a little efficiency could help you out. <laughs> Amen. You'd be surprised how many things you can avoid just with some efficiency. So it says here, he came to his senses. So he stopped reasoning and started repenting. It's time to stop reasoning about our position and start repenting about it and come to our senses and realize that it's time to change. Now, it's not like a lot of people think time for a change. Everybody wants things to change. You know, it's time to change, not time for circumstance. These circumstances just need to change. I'll tell you what's going on in the world just needs to change. I'll tell you what, these things that's happening around me just needs to change. No, it's time for me to change. The issue is never around you. It's always in you. Because if everything around you is wrong, but you're right, everything's good. And you can make everything right. Isn't that right? That's what it means to come to your senses. I need to change. And anybody that thinks they don't, you're number one on the list. You need to change more than anybody because you can't even see it. <laughs> well, how, how can you say that? Well, because you're infallible, you're mortal, unrenewed, unrestored, and we all need change. Some just admit it, and some don't. Some see it, and some can't. But we all need it. This is not a surprise. This is not a cut down. This is a road to advancement. This is how you get on the road of fatness. Change the path you're on and get on the path you need to be. That's why I need to stop reasoning and start repenting. The prodigal son, he had a father. And his father was very wealthy. His son, he had an inheritance. He had a position. He had a name. And he had love from the father. And all of this was covered in and tied up with death rags. 
None of the promises were free to do anything in his life because all of the grave clothes that were wrapped up, that, that, was, that had wrapped him up. Yet, the prodigal son had no doubt that he was a son. He had no doubt. Just knowing you're a son of God ain't going to help you in life. Won't help you. Just to know Jesus is Lord of your life is not going to help you in life. Helps you in eternity. It's a starting point. They're all a starting point, but that's not what helps you in life. When you say you need to have faith, well, well, I believe, I've talked to people like, you know, you need to have faith. You know, faith in the, you know, God talks about healing and you need to have faith. I have faith. I know Jesus. I didn't say you didn't know Jesus, but faith in Jesus won't get you healed. Faith in Jesus don't meet your needs. Faith in Jesus gets you saved. Change your destiny. Wash you clean of sin. Put you on the right path. But now we need to move out of the faith and move into living by faith. That's the road you need to be on. Are you with me? The son, the prodigal son, was so sure of being a son. That he was able to come to his father and go, Father, I want my inheritance. He knew he was a son. He knew he had an inheritance. Which just goes to show it does not matter what you get. Because when there is something wrong on the inside of you, it's still covered with death clothes. The promises are only free to move within us based on us and where we're at. The promises will not have the freedom to produce what it needs to produce because the mindset on the flesh is death. So I can have the wrong mindset. Now, I can say I'm believing God. And, you know, God will answer faith. And if your faith is I'm believing God for uh, abundance, I'm believing God for my needs to be met, I'm believing, you know, this is what the word of God says and this is what I'm believing for. And that's all you want to believe. You don't want to believe anything else. So there's a lot of other stuff in you that's wrong. And then God meets that need, but it doesn't really produce the thing that it should have produced because of the grave clothes that's on the inside of us because our mind is still set on the things of the flesh and it's bringing forth what? Death. When the prodigal son was out there with his riotous living, I'm sure he was thinking, this is pretty good. This is doing a lot for me. I like this, man. I've got my inheritance. We're living it up. And now he's eating with the pigs. Why? Because the stuff inside never changed. And it has finally now brought him to this place. What was in him has now brought him to the place of eating with the pigs. Because the wrong things are on the inside. Now, this is not a 10-year-old or 15-year-old this person's at least in his 20s. I don't know how old he is. He could be even older. So this has been in him for a while. Well, what about stuff that's been in us and we're 40, 50, 60, 70, 80? What about that stuff? It's always been there. You know, sometimes it's, we can look at stuff and go, I just never can seem to get ahead. Things just don't seem to ever change. I never get a break in life. Things just don't happen for me like it does for other people. You know, they had a break. I don't get that break. If I had a break like they got, I, it would be good for me. 
And what we're doing is we're, we're looking at everything on the outside, but never looking on the inside and realizing it's what's in me that's created the never having a break, never getting ahead, things never working out. It's what's in me. And that won't change until I stop reasoning and start repenting. And realize I must change. What you have will not bring you any place. It's what's inside of us that brings us places. No matter what you get, it will not change your course unless as an individual we make a decision to change. So stop reasoning. Start repenting. Because what is repenting? Change. Repenting is change. What Jesus said still stands. See there? I told you. I told you. Stop reasoning. Start repenting. I told you if you'll get on the path to believe, you will see the manifestations of the glory of God. Isn't that right? Amen. Where is the glory of God? It's in the manifestation. That's the glory of God. You know, you, you can say, I believe, I believe. Oh, and I feel so good about believing. But when there's no manifestations, there's no glory. The glory is in the manifestation. It's on his path. His established steps that requires our obedience. And it's in that place that drips fatness. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Bow your heads for a moment. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we come right now with an open heart before you. And I may not be right now in a position to hear from you, but I am in a position now to make a decision and a declaration to which I say before you, Lord, pinpoint me. Lord, pinpoint me. The candle, the candle searches all the inward parts. The spirit, it's in my spirit. Oh, that I would take the time. Holy Spirit, woo me, pull on me, pull on those Draw strings of my heart and pull on me to come spend time with you so that my candle would be lit, that you would be able to, as you already have seen clearly within us, but to make these things known to us, that we could stop reasoning and start changing. Pinpoint me, Holy Spirit. Show me, show me what needs to change on the inside of me. Because without that change, I can't go on from where I'm at. And I know, oh, I know that life can be so much better. I know, I know, I know. Because it's the life you've promised, the abundant life. If things do not get any better than the way they are today, I'm in big trouble. If this is the end all, I'm in big trouble. If this is all that you have, I'm in big trouble. 
but I know it's not so. I know that there's more. I know there's a greater life ahead of me, but I can't go on unless I change. Show me, Holy Spirit, what it is I need to change so I can step into your promises and that your promises can be loosed in my life in a greater way. They'll have the freedom. And they'll bring me down the right road because things in me will change. Holy Spirit, I'm giving you permission. Show me what I need to do that I can get onto your path in life. Lord, I know that there may be a path that I'm on, but there are maybe several other paths that I'm not. And I like my whole life to come into order, come into agreement, and walk in the way that you would have me to walk. Lord, that I would be filled with your wisdom and knowledge, that I could walk in a manner worthy of you, pleasing you in all respects, bearing good fruit in every good work. Holy Spirit, I give you the permission. Pinpoint me. Show me, empower me to walk in that which I need to walk in, that I may change that which needs to be changed. Lord, we declare these things. We thank you that you hear us because it's according to your will. And we know that we'll have these things that we've asked. We thank you for it. We bless you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And he is ready. He's standing right there ready to say, see there, I told you. See there, I told you. If you believe, you will see the glory, the manifestations of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God is so good. 